Welcome to Multilingual Montessori, a podcast where we discuss multilingualism, multiculturalism, and raising children from a Montessori perspective. I'm Gabrielle Kutkov, an AMI Montessori guide and TESOL instructor with a master's in child studies, and I'm the founder of the Multilingual Montessori website and Instagram account. Today I'm back with another Frequently Asked Questions episode, a quick bite-sized episode focusing on one frequently asked question about language acquisition, Montessori language development principles, and multilingualism. I sprinkle these episodes in amongst the longer form interviews with parents, educators, and experts in their fields on topics relating to Montessori and multilingualism. If you have a question about anything related to Montessori and multilingualism that you'd like me to answer in one of these episodes, you can send me a message on Instagram, I'm at multilingual.montessori, or email me at info at multilingualmontessori.org. You can also submit a voice message through the link in the episode description, and you might hear your voice on a future episode. These are the perfect episodes to share with a friend, so if you find today's episode interesting or informative, please pass it along to someone who you think would enjoy it too. And if you have a more personalized question about your own family's approach to multilingualism from a Montessori perspective, you can check out my consultation options. You'll find a link to those in the episode description as well. Okay, let's get into today's frequently asked question. Today's frequently asked question is, what's the best way to raise a multilingual child? What multilingualism looks like in the home will be different for each family. It probably doesn't surprise you to hear that there isn't one best way to raise a multilingual child. What works for one family might not work for another, and the same family might start out using one method and then decide to transition to another. A popular method of bilingualism and multilingualism for families in which parents speak more than one language is OPAL, or one person, one language. And sometimes people think that this is the only way to raise bilingual or multilingual children, but it absolutely isn't. In this method, each parent speaks exclusively in their native language with their child or a language they feel fluent in, and then they choose a family language to speak altogether. It definitely takes some effort on the part of the adults, but it is well worth it. This method is most popular for parents whose native languages are different from each other, so that each parent is speaking in their own native language with their child. Of course, if you speak another language comfortably enough to speak it exclusively with your child, you can absolutely use this method with a language that isn't your first language. So this could look like one parent speaking only English to their child, one parent speaking only Spanish to their child, and then speaking either English or Spanish as a family language, whichever is more comfortable. Or it might be that each parent speaks a language other than the dominant language to their child, and then they speak a third language together as a family. So maybe one parent speaks French, one parent speaks Italian, and they speak German together as a family and maybe they're living in an English-dominant place, so they have a fourth language. The possibilities are endless and adaptable to your situation. Another popular approach is called minority language at home. 
So when we talk about minority and majority languages, the majority language is the predominant language that's spoken in the child's community. So here in the US where I am, that is English. This is the language children will hear at a supermarket, on the playground, when they enroll in school, and in the wider environment beyond the home. The minority language is the language or a language that the child will not be exposed to outside of their home or family. We can also refer to that as a target language or a developing language when we talk about language learning. The minority language is the language that we want to prioritize and give the most support to because it's at the greatest risk. For this reason, families often choose to speak only in the minority language within their family, even if the adults also speak the majority or dominant language, in order to provide as much language input for their children as possible, knowing that this is the language that will have less support from the child's broader community as they get older. An example of this might be a family in which the parents speak both Arabic and English, but they choose to speak only in Arabic as a family language because they want to prioritize their children's Arabic language input, knowing they'll get lots of English language input from the wider community. So that's an example in a bilingual family. An example in a multilingual family might be a family in which the parents speak two languages that are not the dominant language and they might alternate between those two languages at home or maybe they use one parent one language for those two languages at home and then they might speak English outside of the home or they might just depend on the child's wider community for the English language input. So if one or both parents speaks two languages and wants the child to have exposure to both languages from both adults or maybe there is one adult that is trying to introduce two languages, they might use a method called domains of use in which they choose times and or places to use each language, which is also called the time and place method. The time and place method is also great for non-native speakers who are learning a language with their child. And if you'd like more ideas of how to teach your child a language that you're not fluent in or that's not your native language, you can check out episode 31, which is called, Can I Teach My Child a Language That Isn't My Native Language? And that's from November 9th, 2022. And I'll link to that in the episode description as well. So in the time and place method, you can create a ritual around speaking in the target or minority language with your child. You might speak it every evening at bath time or at lunchtime when you're driving in the car or maybe only when you're making breakfast together on the weekends. So you can start small. This is also great for if you would like to introduce an additional language that you haven't introduced to your child before. So an example of that might be a family with a three-year-old where the parents do speak another language or two other languages, but as a family, they've only been speaking in the majority language. So they might use the time and place method to slowly introduce a new language uh, gradually so as not to overwhelm their child. Of course, they might choose to introduce it all at once, but if not, the time and place method is a great option. So you might set a timer to challenge yourself to speak in the target language 
or use a stopwatch to see how long you can go without using a word in English or whatever the dominant language is. I really love to use sand timers with young children. Sand timers are mesmerizing to watch and they give children a very concrete visual sense of the passage of time. And you can usually buy cheap sand timers in multi-packs with different time intervals. So having the structure of the time and place method can give you and your child some predictability as far as where and when the target or minority language is being spoken. And while it can be all or nothing, you know, speaking only in the minority language, it absolutely doesn't have to be. So an example of a family using the time and place method could be a family in which the adults are used to speaking in English to each other, but they want to relearn or learn from scratch Korean as a family. Or maybe the adults speak Korean, but they haven't spoken it in a while and they're not used to speaking it to each other and to their children, but they'd like to start and incorporate that into their family structure. They might choose to speak Korean during mealtimes and English the rest of the time or they might choose days of the week to try to speak only in Korean. Maybe they start out speaking Korean every morning at breakfast and that's it, and then gradually they extend it to every mealtime. So you can experiment with what works best for your family. And again, this is a very flexible method that you can adapt and increase the time spent in the minority language as you go. Yet another method multilingual families use is going with the flow or really not sticking to one method at all. This is great for families in which everyone speaks multiple languages and they don't want to give more weight to one language. The important thing to keep in mind with this is that experts say children need to spend about 30% of their time exposed to a language in order to become fluent. So it's always important to prioritize the minority language or languages in order to give children enough interaction in those languages. The last thought I'll leave you with is that you're never locked in to a method that you choose. You can start out using one approach and then decide you'd like to try something different. Just be sure to give it enough time and consistency that you can really evaluate if it's working for your family before changing your approach or giving up. Definitely don't do that. Remember that in multilingualism, just like with anything else in child development, we often don't see linear progress. So you might not see gains consistently every week. You might see what you perceive or what sounds like a plateau, and then a month later, you might see huge gains. So with patience and consistency, you will see your child's bilingualism or multilingualism blossom. And as always, if you'd like personalized advice about developing your family's approach to bilingualism or multilingualism from a Montessori perspective, you can check out my consultation options linked in the episode description, and I would love to chat with you. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this bite-sized Frequently Asked Questions episode. Stay tuned for more, and please submit your questions to me on Instagram, over email, or as a voice message. You'll find links to all of those in the show notes. I'll be back soon with another interview about raising multilingual children from a Montessori perspective. 
In the meantime, be sure to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Do it right now while you're thinking of it and share the episode with a friend who you think might enjoy it as well. Thanks for listening and see you next time.